Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. It says in the second chapter that an angel again appears to him and says, Get up, take this child and his mother, go down to Egypt. Now, how might Joseph have felt? God, it doesn't seem, doesn't make sense. A lot of things don't make sense in life. Following God doesn't make sense in life. Obedience to God doesn't make sense in life, but it works. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands More times than not, God's will doesn't make any sense to us. God gave us free will, and we can choose to exercise it and run from His calling as Jonah did, or we can choose to follow it in faith like Joseph. As Pastor Ed encourages us in today's message, God's will may not make sense to us today. It may not make sense tomorrow. It's possible we will never comprehend it in this life, but it simply works. We just need to take that step of faith and follow as Joseph did. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith. Many times the families were far more involved in the marriages than they are today. Parents would meet together and talk among themselves. Well, in that culture, the parents of Nazareth met together and... uh, Mary and Joseph were matched, and they had an engagement. Now, this engagement was very binding, not like engagements here in America. Uh, The engagement, to break it, you'd have to literally divorce a person. And so there was a year of preparation where each lived in there with their own families. Well, Mary went away for a few months, She went to visit her aunt, Elizabeth. And when she came back to Nazareth, she was about four months pregnant. And uh, she told Joseph. Joseph, the Bible says, he was a righteous man. But his righteousness was not pharisaical. There's a righteousness that is self-righteousness. There's a righteousness that people think they're better than everybody else around them because, well, maybe what they've done or haven't done. But that's not the biblical righteousness. The biblical righteousness, that's what Joseph had in verse 19. It reads, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. He did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. See, Joseph wanted to follow the law of God. And the law demanded that he would get a divorce. Adultery broke the bond of marriage. It broke the betrothal, the engagement. And so he was going to follow the scriptures. Now, Joseph was scrupulous about what doing what is right. Biblical righteousness means that you follow the scriptures even if the culture doesn't agree with it. It means... 
that you order your life not by the standards of a society or a constant changing culture that changes at every turn. No, it means that you take God's word and you order your life by his word and that becomes a standard of your life. And that's what Joseph was doing. He was following God's word, following God's standard. And so he knew that he had to seek a divorce. His righteousness, though, in it, there was compassion. Look at the text again. You see, biblical righteousness demonstrates the grace of God. Biblical righteousness is sent in the envelope of grace, delivered with the hands of mercy. It states in verse 19, because Joseph was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He's hurting. A trust has been broken. He's been betrayed. At least that's what he feels. That's what he thinks. Those are his emotions. But Joseph still is compassionate towards Mary. He doesn't want to make a public spectacle. He doesn't want to see her wounded and hurt. He knows those arrows of gossip that will fly in that small village will tear her to shreds. And so he's determined to do it quietly to three people. And he's thinking about all of these things. Obedience that leads to righteousness embraces God's will and God's way, but embraces God's heart and compassion as well. And so with a tender heart, you recognize him not blowing up in anger, not destroying her, but seeing how he could redeem the situation in the best possible way. I tell you this, I tell you, if obedience leads you to righteousness and you walk in that obedience, it will also open up revelation to you. Because obedience to God opens up the heavens so that he could speak and we could hear. Obedience, it opens up revelation. In verse 20, it says, after he's considering, he's thinking, he's pondering about all of these things, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream. And then again in chapter two, we see an angel of the Lord appears to him. We know an angel of the Lord appears at least twice to Joseph, at least twice. And as Joseph is thinking and contemplating and wondering and restless, he's gonna receive a revelation from God. Revelation always waits upon our capacity to receive it. Revelation always 
waits upon your capacity to receive it. As you obey and as you listen, God speaks. And as you obey and as you listen, God speaks. And his voice becomes clearer, louder, more distinct. And there she receives a personal, he receives a personal revelation in 120. But after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, look at these words, circle them, underline them. I'm sure Joseph did. He never would forget these words because he would need these words all through the journey. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Don't be afraid, because it's the work of the Holy Spirit. See, as he is listening, God's giving him revelation that's going to impact his life. Do you know God could speak to us directly? Uh, God can speak to you through a dream, a vision, his word, uh, through a brother or sister, uh, through even a sermon, he can speak. He hasn't lost his voice. And he's speaking here to Joseph. And Joseph is pondering, taking these things into his heart. And it's changing Joseph. He says, God says, don't be afraid. Joseph had to quiet his soul so that he could hear that voice of the Lord. Something else is going to happen in the midst of this. He's going to receive a revelation, a prophetic word. It was a personal word, a word right for him that he's going to carry with him all through the journey of his life. But it was a prophetic word because he's going to have insight that he had never had before. God's going to open things to his mind that he had not seen before. What he sees is incredible. See, the Jews would go and offer a lamb, an animal. And on that holy day, that high day, the day of atonement, they would remember their sins were covered by that animal, that lamb. But the angel says, you call him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. There's a key in the genealogy found in chapter one that unlocks some of the meaning of that word. Jesus saving us from our sins. Just look at Matthew chapter one and look who are in the genealogy. There's Bathsheba. And the text is careful to say Uriah's wife. Someone would remember all the things associated with Bathsheba and David, that messy story. And David. And then Rahab, the harlot. They're in the genealogy. Even though they were in the Old Testament, it was the cross of Christ that redeemed them and made them Old Testament saints. And it's a picture of men and women like David and Rahab that would be redeemed and saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus because he saves us from our sin. That was the revelation that he had that the child that he was to father, he was going to be 
adopting Jesus. He was going to raise Jesus. This Jesus was Messiah. And John the Baptist would even further clarify Jesus' role when Jesus came by the Jordan River and he said to everyone, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. There Jesus is, God's Lamb. The one that takes away the sin of the world. See, there's revelation that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. His name would call Emmanuel, God with us. Now, obedience, obedience sheds light on the hidden things of God. You want to know God more? You want to understand God more? You want to have a better understanding of your life and what's happening in the larger picture? Walk in obedience to the word. See, the word is not given just to accumulate knowledge. Knowledge is good. But the word is given to us so that we could know God better and obey him. And so you watch obedience that leads to righteousness, keeping God's law, ordering one's life by the word, but always packaging it in mercy and grace, reflecting the heart of God. Obedience will bring you into a place of revelation for your own personal life, and you'll see that bigger picture of the kingdom of God. But it does something else. You know what it does? When you start obeying, you gotta carry. You have to carry a cross. Look at the text with me. In verses 24 to 25, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Now, he could have been like Zechariah. Well, how am I gonna know what you're telling me, Gabriel? He could have been, even though Mary was noble, Mary said, how is this going to be? But that quiet man just simply did what the Lord said. Disobeyed. And he took Mary. He was going to raise a family. He raised his family. And you see that he took Mary as his wife. Here he is, protecting her. Uh, He knew the gossips in Nazareth. They were there. How many months did you say they were married? How old is you? One, two, how many more? He knew what Mary would suffer throughout her journey at the well, in the market, in the town. He looked at his son, Jesus, and he knew that Jesus would also suffer. It followed him into his ministry with a question, his legitimacy. See, he was going to take this house and raise them for his heavenly father. Now, I could imagine Joseph feeling with Most people would feel not qualified. How could you raise Messiah? How could you raise Jesus, the promised one? I mean, 
Look at his qualifications. He wasn't a scholar. He wasn't a teacher of the law. He didn't have any means of, he was a blue collar worker. He was an average Joe. But God chose him, not because of talents, not because of position, but because of heart. He was obedient. See, he was going to teach his son a lot, a whole lot. He was going to raise his family. There's a picture of Joseph and Jesus in the carpenter shop. It's a 17th century preacher. It's called St. Joseph in the carpenter shop. And here Joseph is an older but sturdy, strong man. And there Jesus is as a young child. And Joseph is leaning down as his son is watching him. And if you look very carefully, Joseph is making a cross. Joseph's obedience was an example to Jesus because he too would have to obey. And when you obey, it involves responsibility. And that's exactly, exactly what Joseph was doing and what Jesus would see. It was Martin Luther, the great reformer, who said he could not even call God father for years because of the terrible relationship between him and his earthly father. Our heavenly father chose Joseph to raise his son Jesus to be the savior of the world because he simply knew how to listen, how to obey, and he did it carrying that cross willingly. He guided his family. We have a responsibility in this culture that's gone anti-Christ, in this culture that has gone far, far from God to guide our children in the things of God. It says in the second chapter that an angel again appears to him and says, get up, take this child and his mother, go down to Egypt. Now, how might Joseph have felt? God, it doesn't seem, doesn't make sense. A lot of things don't make sense in life. Following God doesn't make sense in life. Obedience to God doesn't make sense in life, but it works. Here, Joseph is going to obey. He goes to Bethlehem, his hometown. But no family members have room for him. I wonder why. There it seems like everything goes wrong. A manger, animals, not a decent place for the Messiah to be born. It's, it's hard to understand. Don't try and understand God's ways. His ways are not our ways. It's so hard to comprehend how he does things. Just simply obey. Listen. Follow. He hears that Herod is going to 
destroy the children. Two years old, this is two years later. There he goes down, thank God for all the gifts that the Magi's brought because he would have a stay in Egypt. But see, Joseph was going to remind us of Joseph in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, who God also spoke to in dreams. And this Joseph in the New Testament, God speaks to him and he goes to Egypt and Jesus is gonna come back up to Nazareth and he's going to follow the leading of God. I don't know where your families are personally. Following God is a responsibility. It really involves taking up a cross. Doesn't mean things are gonna be easy. But your obedience to God in the long run will pay. You never come out short by doing his will, by following him. Someone has said, uh, to choose what is difficult all of one's days as if it were easy, that is the obedience of faith. I was reading a story about Jamie Winship He had a great job here in the States, but then he felt called by God to teach in Asia in a predominantly Muslim university. He would share his faith. He was a devout Christian. And one of the students was saved. And one of the deans in that school became very angry. Dean Rahman. Rahman brought him before his colleagues and said, he has broken our law. He has brought in heresies. And the American consul didn't want to have anything to do with this situation. They just washed their hands of it. So here, Winchell was before his colleagues. They were going to determine his faith. They were talking about 10 years in prison. And so the president of the school said to them, anybody want to speak in his defense? Silence for a long time. And he was about to just end the meeting. And then a new dean who had just come in said, can I say something? He said, I went to America to work on my doctorate. And there in America, we were afraid of the culture and the different environment. We stood largely in the the residence of the students and my wife stood in and my daughter. And there were these two men who knocked on our door, came and they showed us around. They helped me learn English. And if it were not for them, I would have never received my doctorate. I would have never come back to this country. I would have been in such shame. And he said, those two men were Christians, like Jamie. If we put him in jail, what will they think of us and our religion? And that turned the whole conversation around. So they disbanded the meeting. And Jamie was free. And he said, I thank God for those two unknown Christians who are so obedient. Where would the Christmas story be? What would it be like? if Joseph didn't obey? What would your story, what would my story be if we failed to obey? 
this people, our family, our friends, our community, that are counting on you to obey God. We've all heard the cliché phrase, Jesus is the reason for the season. But the question is, is He? Is Jesus the center of your life? Or is Christmas just one of the two times during the year that you visit the church? Are you part of the body of Christ? During the Christmas season, there are many opportunities to stop and reflect on the greatest gift of all. But like all gifts, it's only enjoyed when you receive it. The important part of this season is being sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. Are you ready for the King? Have you received the upward call? We'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. Pastor Ed Jones and the entire congregation here at Faith Assembly would like to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.